Sometimes, right caption is your perception of a... I'm sure you've all seen those motivational posters. You probably have one at your work. You know, something like this. You know, there's this picture, uh, space shuttle lifting off, the word teamwork, this great quote from Andrew Carnegie, right? It's supposed to motivate you. But you can use a different picture and even the same word teamwork and just change the caption and it, it kind of unmotivates you. Like this one. Maybe you've seen this. This beautiful picture of a snowball says teamwork and the caption says, a few harmless flakes working together can unleash an avalanche of destruction. Maybe you've heard the term meme, M-E-M-E. This is basically what a meme is. It's a picture with a caption. The word was actually coined by the biologist and noted atheist Richard Dawkins uh, back in 1976 as an attempt to explain the way that cultural information spreads. And the, the term, its definition, has been kind of hijacked from what he originally meant. But they, these memes, these pictures with captions, have become a pervasive way of communication in our culture. Some of you young people speak fluent meme. <laughs> and because of his influence on our culture, no small number of these memes, these pictures with captions have featured Jesus in them. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, open them to Acts chapter 1. Yes, I said Acts. That's going to be our text today, Acts 1, 1 through 11. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Easter to you. My name is Casey. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'd love to meet you. So if you're kind of new to Chapel Rock, if you've been coming for a few times, or maybe today's your first time, when we're all done, I should be right down front. Please come down if you have time, uh, unless you've got to r- rush off to an uh, Easter Sunday lunch or something. Uh, please come down and say hi. Just, I'd love to meet you personally. If you're joining us online, thanks for logging in. Man, I sure wish you were here with us in person. The this, the feeling in the room over the last 20 some odd minutes has just been awesome. But I'm glad you're online. Take a second when we're all done. Let us know that you're here. If you haven't filled out your connection card, uh, I would encourage you to do that here and just leave that in the seat next to you uh, when you leave. Our ushers will come collect them later. Uh, today, we are starting a new short sermon series called Hashtag Caption This. Um, I'm excited about this. Today and for the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at a few kind of Jesus-focused memes uh, as a jumping-off point to talk about who Jesus really is. So what I want to do today is begin with a little audience participation. Everybody grab your bulletin and grab a pen or something there, some kind of writing stick. If you need to whip out your phone and use your notes app, that's okay, because I'm going to show you a few Jesus pictures, and I want you to write a caption. All right, just write something that kind of describes the picture, all right? So you ready? Everybody get your bulletin or your notepad or something, and we're going to do a little audience participation today, all right? So here's the first one. Look at this picture, all right? This is a Jesus action figure inside Iron Man's Hulkbuster armor, okay? I can't help it. I'm excited. I get to see it Thursday night. I've been waiting a decade for this. Cut me some slack, all right, of a new Avengers movie. So... All right, you got this? Okay, here's the caption I found with it. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> you, you better start praying. Repent, repent, repent. Um, you know, you just hear Iron Man's, you know, weapons spooling up, right? So, um, all right, here's another. So, write down caption. Show your neighbor real quick. Show, just show them what you did. Anybody write something down? No? Nope. Okay. <laughs> like, you're talking too fast. Okay. 
All right, let's go to the next one. Look at this. Here's a picture. Jesus, young man on a park bench, having an intense discussion. Okay, write down a caption. I'll actually wait this time. All right. Okay, here's, here's the one I found. I like this. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, one more, one more. Uh, here, here's a picture of Jesus. Look at this. All right. Um, it's a painting. I don't know who painted it. I tried. Google let me down. I tried to find out who. So write a caption for this. Jesus ascending into heaven in a beam of light. The disciples, he's got his hands raised in blessing. The disciples are, wow, they're overblown. Okay, so write a caption. Okay. Beautiful painting. I wish I knew who. I wish I'd love to give credit to the artist. Can't, I just couldn't find out who did it. All right. So here's the, here's the original meme caption that I found. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> now, this, this may let you in a little closer than, than is health, healthy, but I about fell out of my chair when I saw that. I was laughing so hard. Help you idiots, the aliens are taking me. That just cracks me up. Are you like, some of you are like, that's kind of sacrilegious. Ah, maybe a little. Um, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> so, and then because it's Easter, I can't, I can't help. Let me give you one more caption. This, I love this. Look at this. This is so simple. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, BRB is an a, a internet texting slang for be right back. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You see, that picture highlights something which is absolutely essential for us to understand about what the resurrection of Jesus means for us. We have to understand what the resurrection of Jesus means. It's vital that we understand this morning that this epoch-shaping event actually means something for us. I mean, it certainly means that Jesus, by virtue of his perfect and sinless life, his death on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sin, and his resurrection on Easter, it shows us that God has the ultimate victory over sin and death. But there's a part of the resurrection story that in our joy over the empty tomb that we dare not forget talking about Jesus' ascension into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. So keep your finger in Acts 1, or keep your screen there, but I want to give you some context. Now earlier we read the resurrection account from Luke's gospel. I want to key in on the very tail end of it. Now the, the passage we're going to look at today in the book of Acts was written by the Dr. Luke. He was one of Paul, the Apostle Paul's missionary uh, associates. He also wrote the gospel that bears his name. All right, so Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And you're going to see an amazing connection that maybe you've never even noticed this morning. Okay? Look with me at Luke 24, starting in verse 45. Look at this. Okay? This, this happens late in the day on Easter Sunday. The disciples are gathered together, and Jesus just kind of, blink, just appears in the room. And, and they talk for a little bit, and it says this. He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, some time passes there between verse 49 and verse 50. Look at this, verse 50. When, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up. That's a key word here, taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now that's the background for our text today. That's the very end of Luke's gospel. As he records what happens after Jesus was raised from the dead, he meets with his disciples, he instructs them, hey, hang out here, because in just a few days, I'm going to send you something, and it's going to change the world. Now, there are four significant themes from the end of Luke that get repeated in the beginning of Acts, okay? The first is that God had a plan to redeem the world through Jesus. The second is that this redemption would be accomplished by the apostles' witness. The third is that Jesus is going to the Father, but he's going to send something back to earth. And, and the, the fourth thing is that whatever Jesus sends will empower his disciples to accomplish their mission. Okay, so those four themes are, are, that are present in Acts 24, they get repeated in, excuse me, Luke 24, they get repeated in Acts 1. You listen for them as we read our text together this morning. Look with me at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, both books were addressed to the same guy. The word Theophilus means lover of God, could have been a nickname, might have just been the guy's name, we don't know. But that's the patron that Luke writes to. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up, same word, to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, and that's, that's, that's comprehensive, that's the, the suffering in the garden as he labored over our sins and sweat great drops of blood, that's the, the, this Roman scourging, the beatings that Jesus endured and his crucifixion and ultimately having to bear our sin and guilt on the cross, okay? All of it, that's his suffering. He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. This is a reference to what happened back in Luke 24. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, same word, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Now look at this, I love this. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Can you see this scene? Can you imagine this? Where'd he go, John? I don't know, Peter. <laughs> like, like, he's gone. Um, so I love this. They're looking up in the sky when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. 
The message that I want you to hear today is this. It's our big idea. The victory that Jesus won on Easter is transferred to us because he went to the Father and sent us the Spirit. The victory that Jesus won on Easter is transferred to us because he went to the Father and sent us the Spirit. Following an Easter message back in 2003, a woman approached a fellow pastor and said, so what happened with Jesus after the resurrection? And and the pastor said, well, he ascended into heaven and and he's still alive. (laughs) She was like, um, okay, I knew he was resurrected, but he's still alive? And the pastor was like, yeah, he's, he's sitting on the throne next to God. He's interceding for us. He, he's still alive in heaven right now with God. And she's like, he's still alive after all this time? Why didn't anyone tell me? For the next two weeks, she called everybody she knew. Did you know that Jesus is still alive? <laughs> See, the message of Easter is that Jesus is still alive. And the victory that he won on Easter Sunday is alive in you because of the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it was to teach us two things. Here's the first thing. Number one, Jesus wins and he doesn't need any help. (laughs) Jesus' ascension proves that Jesus wins and he doesn't need any help. Unlike the meme that we looked at earlier, help you idiots, the aliens are taking me. Jesus doesn't need any help. The, the, the point of the ascension is to prove the same point as the resurrection, that Jesus really is who he said he is. He's the only someone who is truly God in the flesh could ascend to heaven to sit at the Father's right hand. Let's consider a few things in the passage that make that point. First of all, in verse 2 and verse 9, the text says that Jesus is taken up. The verb there is passive, meaning that the action is done to him. That God the Father reaches down and lifts up his son to put him in that place of honor at his right hand next to him in heaven. It's this image of total victory. And some of you are like, but you said he doesn't need any help. And if it's happening to him, that sounds like help. No, you don't get it. What happens in a basketball game when when a guy takes a a, a hard shot from way outside, sinks a three-pointer to win the championship? What happens to him from his teammates? They pick him up, right? They put him on their shoulders. He doesn't need any help. He just won the game. (laughs) It's an image of victory. It's saying, look, he's worthy. We just sang about it earlier. He's worthy. (laughs) He's worthy of this. And then in verse 3, Luke says that Jesus gave convincing proofs that he was still alive. The disciples touched a physically resurrected body. Jesus tells doubting Thomas, come here, Thomas, and bring your finger. Put it right there. Reach your hand into my side. He's alive, right? The text tells us that he ate with them. Ghosts don't eat. In fact, it says on more than one occasion, Jesus ate with them. All right? They talked with him. He's alive. And then in verse 10, we see Luke in in the book of Acts picking up the same language that he used at the end of his gospel. He describes two men. There are two men at the tomb. We read about it. We read it out loud earlier. Then they appear to be men. We know they're really angels. They give the same message. Jesus is resurrected. Their clothes are similar. In, in, In Luke's gospel, it says that they gleamed like lightning. In Acts, it says that their clothes are white. How many of you have ever seen a lightning bolt? What color is it? 
white. <laughs> it's the same idea. It's the same concept. Luke is connecting these events from the end of his gospel and the beginning of Acts in order to make the point that in his ascension into heaven, Jesus is totally victorious. He doesn't need anyone's help. He came in complete humility, but he ascended in total glory, honor, and power. That's what Paul was trying to teach us in Philippians chapter 2. Look at this with me. In Philippians 2, Paul says, you need to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, and then look, look at this, verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made, himself, by taking, but made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, literally even crucifixion. Therefore God exalted him, lifted him up, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the ascension of Jesus shows that he wins. And he did that by pouring out his life in humility. Do you know what Philippians 2 does not say? It does not say that when Jesus was ascended into heaven... That when Jesus of Nazareth, who was the second person of the triune Godhead, God the Son in a human body, when he ascended into heaven, Philippians 2 does not say that he laid aside his human body. It does not say that the body of Jesus just kind of dissipated into the ether. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended bodily. I want you to think for just a second about the implications of that. Some time ago, an author in New York launched a website where people can log on and anonymously express their feelings about their bodies. There's even a, a, a function where someone can click, been there, if they resonate with something that somebody has said. Do you know what statements got lots of been there's? It, it wasn't, I mean, nobody wrote, I think my body's awesome. Most of the responses, most of the clicks on been there, I understand that, I feel that way, were statements like this, I hate everything about my body, and I often feel guilty, because I have a healthy body, and I feel guilty that I hate it. Someone put, I eat when I'm depressed, and that makes me more depressed. Someone wrote, I just want to look in the mirror and be happy been there. Listen, friends, we have bodies that embarrass us. They bother us. They, they drag us down. They're wearing out. Some of you know this. A few of you said happy birthday. Yesterday was my birthday. Turned 43 yesterday. And, and I'm at that point in my life where you start to wake up and stuff hurts and you don't know why. Like, I don't remember hurting that. <laughs> but now I'm walking like this today and I guess that's just gonna how I'm going to walk today, you know? Like, they're wearing out. Our bodies let us down. They're flawed. And until, unless Jesus comes again soon, these bodies will die. But do you know what that means? The amazing truth of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, listen to me, is that a human body has entered heaven. A human body has entered glory. 
A human body will live forever. A human body is sitting right next to God Almighty on the throne in heaven. Jesus is risen. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. You can take out your phone and you can turn on the selfie camera. Those of you watching online can run down the hall at your house and look in the mirror. And what, what you'll understand is that someone who looks a little like you is sitting on the throne next to God. That's what the ascension means. That Jesus in in, in a human body has been risen up in glory forever. That's how complete his victory on Easter is. And because he wins, we win too. You see, Jesus wins and he doesn't need any help. We win too because we get help. That's the second thing that the ascension teaches us. I mentioned before a couple themes that unite Luke's telling of the resurrection story in his gospel with the story of the ascension in Acts, are this idea that Jesus goes to the Father to send, you know, something, and that what Jesus sends will empower his disciples to accomplish their mission. Of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. And then we need to pay attention to a couple significant things in this passage. First of all, Jesus says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, he sets up the expectation. They know something amazing is going to happen in a few days. Turns out it was ten. Secondly, the word translated receive in verse 8, where Jesus tells the 11, you will receive power, is the same word that we read later in Acts 2.38, when when, when Peter on the day of Pentecost says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, literally take into yourself the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what that means. Because of the resurrection on Easter, because Jesus was resurrected in a glorified eternal body, like the ones we're going to have after he resurrects us on judgment day, because of that, he is going to send help for us to live in his victory until he comes again. That's what the ascension means. Because Jesus went to the Father in the ascension, he sent the Spirit to us as a gift. And because we receive the Spirit of God in us when we respond to the gospel, Jesus is nearer to us now than he ever could have been in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. We win too because he has sent us a gift. He has sent us the help of the Holy Spirit. See, in the book of Ephesians, I think Paul is trying to get this idea across, and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, his inspiration, I think Paul intentionally changes a quote from the Old Testament. Look at this. I want you to see these passages side by side, all right? Paul quotes in in Ephesians chapter 4, he quotes uh, Psalm 68. Look at this. Now, this is an enthronement psalm. This is a psalm about about the king, right? Look at this. When you ascended on high, the psalm writer puts, You took many captives and received gifts from people. It's this image of glorification that a king taking his throne, taking his crown, receives gifts because he's worthy. Even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes, get this, listen, escape from death. And so then later, when Paul is thinking about this, and he's talking about the gifts and the grace that God has given us, he writes in in Ephesians chapter 4, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, so it sounds like he's setting up a quote, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and what? Gave gifts to his people. And then he goes on to talk about the ascension. What does he ascended mean? 
Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. Jesus' incarnation, his life here. He who descended, he came to earth, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the universe. Jesus did that so that he could send you his Holy Spirit, so that you could begin to experience right now, today, the power of the resurrection. Because Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit, you get to experience the power of the resurrection right now. It's yours. It's, it's a free gift. He gave it to you for any who will respond to the gospel. That victory is alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a, uh, pay money every month to a cell phone company that likes to brag about their coverage? Right? <laughs> me too. All right. <laughs> like, like more than I'd like. All right. Um, here's the thing. It's not as great as they say it is. <laughs> when, when Jesus was on earth, if you were blind and you wanted to see, if you were sick and you wanted to be well, if you were lame and you wanted to walk, I sure hoped you lived in the Roman province of Judea. Because if you're in Italy, you're just out of luck. Jesus had a very tightly defined geographical limit of, of his service area, right? He, he, Jesus never went more than 70 miles from the town where he was born, ever. A few times he talked to non-Jews, just because they were so persistent. They just kept bugging him. Do you get what this means, what the ascension means? Because of this, Jesus is nearer now to us than he ever would have been if he would have just stayed alive and remained on earth. He could have done that. You talk about a convincing proof, <laughs> right? Nobody would ever doubt the resurrection because you could just go talk to the guy. I bet there'd be a line. But because he ascended into heaven, now we're just as close to him as we ever could. We never could have been that close before that. His Holy Spirit lives inside you if you're a Christian. If you've responded to the gospel. Because of the ascension, Jesus is closer to you than he ever would have been before. Listen, you can be in Indianapolis and call on Jesus and he hears you. You, you can be in China or Nigeria and call on Jesus and he hears you. Right? Wherever you are, in an emergency room, in, in, in an airplane, up all night with a kid who will not go to sleep, can I get an amen from my house on Thursday? <laughs> you can call on Jesus, and he will hear you because he's inside you. His presence lives in you because of the ascension, that you continually as a Christian experience the victory and power of the resurrection because of the ascension of Jesus. You see, there's one more thing we need to see before we finish. Look back at Acts 1.1. This is a record of all that Jesus, what? Began to do. Everything Jesus began to do, everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus stood for, everything Jesus died for, everything Jesus rose again for is just the beginning. It's up to us to carry it on. Right? According to Luke, the last thing the disciples hear Jesus say before he ascends into a cloud and hides him from their view is, you go tell everybody about me. Church, that's our mission. That's our mission. If you have Jesus' presence in you through the Holy Spirit, you go tell everybody. 
You see, for us, living here in this place at this time, the phrase, He is risen, that we said to one another earlier, has two layers, doesn't it? There's two layers. Yes, He is risen from the dead. That's what we celebrate today. But He is also risen from the earth. He has ascended into heaven, and He has sent His Holy Spirit to dwell in each one of us so that we can experience and live the power of the resurrection every single day. It turns every day into Easter for the Christian. Did you get the big idea today? The victory that Jesus won on Easter is transferred to us because He went to the Father and sent us the Spirit Let me show you a couple more pictures. This is my friend Matt. Until recently, Matt was the preacher at the West Village Church of Christ, or Christian Church in Albion, Illinois. It's about 45 minutes west of Evansville. Here's the last post that Matt made on Facebook. April 5th, not really how I wanted to spend the weekend in the hospital with pneumonia and sepsis. Not long after he wrote that, my friend Matt slipped into a coma from which he did not awake. And on Monday of this past week, Matt went to go see his Savior's human face. We worked together for about four years at Broadway Christian Church. I helped hire Matt. Um, He's 37 years old. Wife and two kids. I will miss my friend. The world is a, is a sadder, less goofy place because Matt's not in it. So I don't know, maybe the ascension means a little more to me this year. You see, my friend Matt is in the very presence of the one whose very presence is in me. I don't totally get how that works. Though from what Jesus told his disciples shortly before he ascended, maybe we're not supposed to figure it out. Here's the point and we're done. I think the best caption you could put on a picture of Jesus ascending into heaven is BRB. Be right back. See, for those of us who grieve and suffer here in these twilight lands... It doesn't always seem that way. And we need to be reminded that just 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, His Spirit descended into us. Just 10 days after Jesus entered the presence of the Father, His presence entered us on the day of Pentecost. That's our victory. He loves you so much that He took on your humanity forever. Do you realize that Jesus of Nazareth, the second person of the triune Godhead, literally, willingly trapped Himself in a human body for all eternity because he loves you and that body is now ascended to God in heaven and one day he will come again that's the promise isn't it but he didn't just leave us alone he sent his spirit and if you don't have it do not walk out of this building without it we're going to stand and sing together in just a moment and you're going to have an opportunity to respond If if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside you because you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to acknowledge that He is Lord, to be baptized, to receive the Spirit, to walk in discipleship, you have a chance to do it right now.
as we sing, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. We'll have uh, decision counselors down here ready to meet you. We'll have our, some of our staff down here ready to meet you. And I would encourage you to come. Maybe you have something that you want someone to pray with you for or pray about. You come. If you have questions or need to talk to somebody, you go to the room under the yellow awning, our next step room. Please stand with me and you respond as God leads you.